Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Do you enjoy hearing the tech news delivered by smart, informed people? Me too. Learn more about how you can support this show at dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, May 9th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Salt Lake City, where I am way more virtual reality than man, I'm Scott Johnson. Whoa. Is it Google Duplex or Scott Johnson? Uh, Who knows? He said, uh, just like Google Duplex did. Yeah. (laughs) I like my Oculus Go if it counts for anything. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. What are you using it for so far? A lot of media consumption. I watched a couple of movies on it so far. And there's a couple of games that are pretty impressive on there. But for the most part, I'm just enjoying the idea that I can be untethered and anywhere with it. And I think that is the major selling point for this relatively cheap device. Yeah. All right. I can't wait to get mine. Mine's supposed to come today. So I'm very excited. Uh, Our producer, Roger Chang, is here as well. Roger, how are you? I'm good. Good. Well, let's start with a few tech things you should know then. Apple is removing apps that share location data with third parties without explicit user consent and informing those app developers that their app violates two parts of the App Store review guidelines. Apple explains that developers must remove code, frameworks, or SDKs that relate to that violation before their app can be resubmitted to the App Store. In other Apple news, sources tell Bloomberg that Apple plans to let users buy subscriptions to some third-party video services in its TV app rather than individual apps starting next year. Uh, Nick Peterson of Everdox Tech and Nemanja Musikamak. Oh, I knew I was going to get it wrong. Mula, Mula's Magic. How's that? Pretty good. Of triplefault.io discovered a flaw that would mostly cause system crashes, but combined with other conditions could cause some arbitrary code execution. The flaw has been patched on the following platforms. Apple patched it for Macs, uh, Dragonfly, BSD, FreeBSD, Microsoft, uh, Red Hat, SUS Linux, Ubuntu, VMware, and Zen. Uh, pretty much affected everybody. The flaw, uh, as, uh, sorry, the flaw is caused by a misinterpretation and documentation of how CPUs handle debug exceptions. And in summary, security researchers, 
the researchers found a thing and now they fixed it. So yeah. there it's, you go. It's well, really, they didn't, but all the companies. There's some respond. interesting things about it for security researchers. It's not something most people have to worry about as long as you keep your operating systems updated, which you should because here's one you need to worry about. Microsoft's patches on Tuesday contain fixes for two vulnerabilities that are actively being exploited. So this is something you could run a risk if you don't fix. One allows any code to be run with the same system privileges as the logged in user. So if you're logged in as admin and you're not updated, you're in real danger. That's spread through malicious RTF documents, but could also be spread through an infected website or website ads, according to Microsoft. Another patch fixed a currently exploited vulnerability allowing privilege escalation in the Win32 components. So you want to go fix those now. It's Patch Tuesday, or it was yesterday. So patch your systems. Despite lining up with Taiwan's MediaTek to supply chips Monday, ZTE announced Wednesday, it's ending major operating activities as a result of the U.S. ban on exports to the company. ZTE says it has enough cash to survive a pause while it appeals the ban, which it intends to do. Under the ban, U.S. companies like Qualcomm and Dolby can't sell parts to ZTE. Not looking good for ZTE right now. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Microsoft, but good stuff. Yeah, how about some good stuff? Microsoft announced some new features for its test build of Windows. This is all likely to arrive for everybody later this year. October is the plan. One is Cloud Clipboard, lets you cut and paste across Windows devices. That's fantastic, about freaking time. It's also a dark theme coming for File Explorer that matches the dark theme you can apply elsewhere in Windows. Uh, so there's a nice little aesthetic thing there. There's also support for Unix slash Linux, uh, uh, sorry, Unix slash Linux line endings and Macintosh line endings and Notepad. And Alt Tab now works with sets, so this is pretty cool. So you can switch between Edge browser tabs as well as other apps uh, or tabs within those apps. In theory, uh, Windows 10 build 17666, the build of the devil. Is available to Fast Insiders now. <laughs> Redstone 5 is expected to begin rolling out in uh, the mainstream sort of way. That means for you and me uh, and users like us around October 2018 this year. Well, users like us if you're not in the Fast Insider program, which I bet a lot of people in this audience are. Uh, but yeah, if, you, if you're in the Insiders program, you can take advantage of this. I don't know which one I, I'm most excited about. The line endings one is pretty handy. The alt tab thing, very cool. But I think Cloud Clipboard is my favorite and i hope that they when they roll this out to the redstone 5 release in october for everybody that it will be available in ios and android apps so if i copy something from word say on my windows machine and i go to my android phone and open up word there it'd be cool to be able to paste Mm -hmm. yeah and as a mac user primarily uh I like the idea of being able to. Well, I, I do this now with iOS and, and my and my computer, where I'm constantly swapping files. I'm doing uh, AirDrop in a pretty major way with a lot of things that I do now. Like in, integrated into my sort of workday, these things are happening. I would love it if my Windows box would behave more like that, and maybe even better behave together. Apple's so slow to do this with other platforms, so maybe I have to rely on Microsoft to be a little bit more multi-platform friendly. Uh, with this sort of thing. So yeah, big, big, nice feature there. Tom, do you use Word on Android frequently? I do not. <laughs> I I don't like using word processors on tablets or phones at all if I if I can avoid it. Well, so I don't yeah. even I don't use Google Docs, I don't use Word, but I know people who do, especially on tablets. Uh, they, well, they use Word on, on, on tablets. I, in fact, uh, one friend of mine does all of his writing. He's a, he's a novelist and he, he writes on a, on an iPad. I do a lot of I don't do a lot of um, creating content for Google Docs on a phone, 
but I will open it and look at like, for example, on Wednesdays, first thing I do in the morning is look at this spreadsheet as soon as TMS ends. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? What are the stories? Like that's my first look at it. Hmm. And then I'll later I'll be on a desktop or a notebook or something filling out whatever. But, but yeah, I mean, it's a great way to quickly reference things and do things. I'm glad it exists. It's just not, you know, that work friendly if you got to use it that way. Moving on, Walmart is buying 77% of Indian e-commerce company Flipkart for $16 billion. Walmart said in a statement that its long-term goal is to support Flipkart's transition into a publicly listed subsidiary and also that it expects India's e-commerce market to grow at four times the rate of the overall retail industry. Flipkart has 100 million users signed up to its platform. This is at least according to the company on its website. SoftBank, currently one of the largest shareholders of Flipkart, may sell its entire stake as part of the deal. Sources tell CNBC. I think this is different than folks are interpreting it. The general business press out there is saying, yeah, Walmart, not really so well known for, for international operations. You know, they got a few cash and carry stores in India, but they've never really caught on. Uh, I think this is I, and I, I'm, this is just my gut. I don't have like a really well-reasoned way of backing this up. My gut is Flipkart will change Walmart more than Walmart changes Flipkart. And that this this is good for Walmart because Flipkart is really good at this. Uh, they are pretty much dominant in India. I think Amazon has like 26% of the online market, but Flipkart has the predominance of it. And Walmart, if they do this right, will learn from Flipkart and and actually be able to modernize a lot of its operation elsewhere. Well, and 100 million users is is great. You know, that's robust. But, you know, in a country of 1.3 billion people or thereabouts, it has a lot of room to grow. Yeah, that's true, too. It, it, Flipkart, as big as it is, has, has not saturated the market. That's a very good point. So that's going to be good for Walmart as well. Uh, I I. I, I don't know. I think I see this as all upside. And, and a lot of the press I'm seeing about it is like, well, I guess they had to do it because they wanted to keep Amazon from buying Flipkart. But we're not sure. It doesn't mean they'll ruin Flipkart. Maybe they'll be right. I don't know. Yeah, I hope it, it's a benefit for them. I feel bad for Walmart sometimes. Uh, I know this is a deep what? discussion. I know. Hold on, you are out. one person who feels what bad. I mean, what I mean by that is there's a lot to be mad at with, with Walmart. But they're also kind of forged in a different time, different place with different values and different systems. And there's probably a future where people look back at Amazon in a similar with a similar smirk on their face. I sure. don't know. I mean, it's like I, I know where you're going with this. You're, you're a little ahead of me on it, though. I look at Sears partnering with Amazon to sell its tire service through Amazon. I'm like, ah, oh, poor Sears. Remember, they used to be top of the world. Uh, and it's, you're, you're already feeling that way about Walmart where I'm like, yeah, they're pretty top of the world still. I don't, I don't know. No, you're right. I am jumping the gun because I, I don't hardly go there anymore and I don't like them very much, but <laughs> in a way I feel like they missed the boat. Maybe well, obviously, you know, with, with moves like this, Walmart also realizes that it's, you know, sort of a, you know, a, a retail business of yesteryear in many ways. And this is the way that it expands in a whole new market. Yeah. And they've been doing a lot of things with free shipping, trying to compete with Amazon online. So learning from Flipkart is going to help them with that as well. Google announced it's working on an app called Lookout that describes objects, text, and people around it out loud for folks who are visually impaired. Users of Lookout would work, uh, would use it with a camera worn as a lanyard around your neck. The app has four modes, home, work, and play. Then there's scan and experimental. Uh, a scan feature reads text 
So if you're looking at a menu or a recipe or something, it can read it out to you. Uh, experimental is just kind of like you try some stuff. If you're in a safe space and you're willing to try some stuff out. Lookout doesn't need an internet connection to operate, so you don't have to worry about that. It's expected to be in the Google Play Store later this year. My mom is jazzed about this, and she is because I actually told her about it when I saw it in the notes earlier. I texted her and I said, hey, mom, what if your phone... Uh, with the way your eyes are going, what if yeah. your phone could tell you more about what you're supposed to be looking at? And she got all excited. But when I got done talking to her after I sent that text to her, I realized, isn't this just the same as the Google app that they've been trying to tweak for years that looked at a box and said, we think that's a thing of Cheerios. Like Google Lens. Yeah, I'm wondering what. how is the camera different than a camera that's in, you know, that's built into your phone that you would need for Lookout? Well, you don't want to wear your phone in a lanyard around your neck. So there's one thing. Uh, the other thing is there is, yes, it's probably built on the same technology as lens where it can look at something and recognize it, but it's taking it and saying, okay, but there is a way that someone who's visually impaired needs to have information accessed, right? You don't want it walking down the road going, uh, sandwich wrapper, gutter, tree, dog. Like you only want it to give you the description of things that are important for you to know about. Right. So so that I, I think it's it's the application of a technology that yes you've heard about this technology before but we're applying it in a way that is useful for a particular purpose. Also, Google not the first one to do this. Microsoft has demonstrated a very similar uh, technology, and as have many others. There, this is not a brand new thing. There's a lot of systems like this. Some of the previous systems that have been used though are a little more expensive, require a little more processing. So I think the idea here isn't that they can do it so much as they can do it cheaply and with a device that you already have. You put your Samsung Galaxy S in your pocket, you put this camera around your neck, boom. Now you've got an assistive device that may have cost you thousands of dollars previously. So uh, not long ago, Sarah, you'll like this because you like cats. Uh, I was being sort of mindless trying to feed the cat while um, my wife and kids were out of town. So I looked at a bag. It had a cat on the front of it. I said, oh, that looks like food. Uh, it's got oh, in no. super and everything. And I pulled it out and there's like these little pellets. And I thought, all right, well, that looks edible, I suppose. And I put it in his bowl and he sat in there, wouldn't touch it all day. Come to find out later, if I hadn't Mr. Magoo'd this whole mess, I would have seen that it was cat litter in that pellet form cat litter. And I tried to feed the cat cat litter. So I'm just saying, if there was something hanging around my neck that could go, boop, you idiot, you've just put cat litter in the cat food bowl, <laughs> that might be all right. Accessibility for all of us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The next, Thank goodness the cat knew that's cat litter. Also, cat's like, I'm not eating that. I'm not pooping in my bowl either. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to tell me here, but it's wrong. Either Honestly, way. I would love to get into his head and find out what he actually thinks of that. But anyway, uh, here's my favorite announcement of the day. Valve announced Steam Link for Android and iOS. This will arrive May 21st, which is right around the corner, uh, letting you stream any game from your PC to your mobile device as long as they are on the same Wi-Fi network. Steam Link will support the use of Steam controllers, MiFi controllers, and probably other stuff. I'll bet you'll be able to sync a 360 controller pretty quickly or not 360 and Xbox One. Um, but anyway, the Apple support, or uh, uh, rather, will uh, hit iOS and Android, like I mentioned. And Valve says it will release a Steam video app later this summer for TV shows and movies with the ability for offline viewing. Uh, so getting into that market. Oh, and they have support for the Nintendo Pro Controller and the Steam Beta Client right now. So lots of weird cross-platformy strangeness happening over at Valve, and I love it every second of it. I think it's awesome, especially the idea of 
streamable content to a, a large tablet or even a phone in other parts of your house is super exciting to me uh, and not just tethering that to my TV. I love it. Yeah. I, at first, when I saw the headlines, this is why you should always read stories. I thought, wait, they're going to be able to, you're going to be able to download games on iOS and Android and just play them. No, you've got to have them running on your PC. But so this is not going to be me playing Steam games on on my you know iOS on my iPhone out at the train station. But it's still pretty cool, right? It's still the ability to say, oh, my PC's in another part of the house, but I can sit on a tablet and play the game on the couch if right. I have a controller. And not only that. Uh, it's in it's consistent with the branding. So the link is already a piece of hardware that you buy. Specifically, that ties into your TV and either through 10 base T connection of some sort or Wi-Fi, you do this exact same thing. So those who are going to get into this who already kind of know what the link does, they're not going in with any kind of blown up expectations about downloading the games to these devices and playing them natively. Um, I think broader public may be an issue on that front because i still think the whole streaming games thing is very much in the in its infancy but having them go to these smaller screens uh over a wi-fi network seems like they'll be able to cut some corners that they don't have to worry about as a big giant 75 inch 4k tv that is going to show artifacting more than one of these smaller screens or something if there's a if there's a death of this it's the steps like oh you have to have your pc on and connected to the same network oh and you have to want to play it in another room oh and you have to have a device right it starts to narrow down the people that might be willing to take advantage of it sure but i i for one totally into this Uh, the idea of me being able to continue progress in a game like Oh, gosh, there's so many I couldn't even name them. But a million Steam games I haven't finished that I could just grab a controller and an iPad Pro and prop it up on my lap and bed and play till midnight. That sounds great. Not good for sleep, and I wouldn't recommend it, but still. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 
that's what I'm going to do. Now, as soon as I say you won't be taking this outside the house, uh, of course, our audience begins to come up with workarounds. Uh, Nuke Jello says, sure, just use VPN, right? Uh, and Ebarch says, just bring your desktop to the train station. <laughs> so, yes, obviously, there are ways to work around the limitations here, but most people are going to do them. And the success of Steam Link is going to be how easy it makes it for people. Not that, you know, not that those are cool projects to use as workarounds, but most people are going to pick up Steam Link if they think, oh yeah, this is going to let me play games, like you say, more often. Not being outside the house, though, I think, the more I think about it, the more I think that's kind of the limiting factor because people are like, well, why wouldn't I just go down to my rig then? Right, and it, and I don't want to overshadow the one other part of this announcement, which was the, the Steam video streaming. This is... Uh, kind of akin to something like Amazon Prime in my mind, even though you're not paying for it. They have some of original programming, a lot of it gaming-related, documentaries about esports, that sort of stuff. But they've amassed a pretty good selection of licensed content like just about anybody else has. So if you're really tied into their ecosystem and want to kind of pay attention to what's going on in their video selection, that's bigger and bigger every day. So I think this is a chance for them to get known more for more and there's really no downside to this for them, really. Like, this seems like an easy easy play for them on both counts. So I'm excited. Uh, keeping with the gaming theme, Belgium and the Netherlands have ruled that many loot boxes, which are essentially card packs of soccer players, I learned this today, in games like FIFA Ultimate Team are classified as gambling and in violation of their laws. But FIFA publisher Electronic Arts says it plans to continue its loot box Ultimate Team mode anyway. EA also confirmed that its Ultimate Team modes in FIFA, Madden, NFL, NHL, and NBA Live for the PC, consoles, and mobile are its biggest live service revenue generators. To put that into perspective, that's more than what in-app purchases for something like Sims games or Battlefield rakes in, in large part by loot box sales. Scott, tell me about loot boxes, please. Oh, man. The the raging fight continues over what loot boxes are out there. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of philosophical stances on this thing. Uh if I go to a Tom, you and I, let's say we're 12, we go to a, a baseball card shop at the time. They maybe have comics there or something. And we buy some baseball cards. Why do we do it? Because we hope inside of those packs, there's going to be some rare, you know, Mickey Mantle. Although we, we weren't around with Mickey Mantle. Today, but <laughs> no, we're going to get the uh, the Ryan Sandberg rookie card or Ricky Henderson rookie card. Guys. And and that's the fun of it. Now, if if what they're saying, if they're saying that the stuff you're doing in FIFA Madden and so on, is gambling, then so is that. It's real money for, uh, uh, in this case, an artificial thing, a digital thing, versus real money in a real-world setting for a bunch of cards and you don't know what you're going to get. If that's gambling, then so is the other thing. Well, no, it's not. because Go ahead. Because the baseball cards are just a physical object meant to be looked at, right? And like any physical object, they might be able to be sold. They're not meant to be sold. You don't win anything by having a baseball card. Whereas the games, whether it's the the soccer player cards or something else, you can succeed better at the game if you get better loot cards. So there's that aspect of it of if I can afford to buy more loot boxes, I will theoretically be more successful at the game. And then there's this this is where it gets weird. There's the ability to resell them. Well, EA says we don't approve of people reselling the cards that they get from loot boxes, but we know it happens in violation of our terms. And Belgium, for one, said, well, if it happens, then that's gambling because you can exchange it for real money. 
But that brings you back to the baseball card. It's like, well, you can also exchange a baseball card for real money. So how is that also not gambling? Well, because the baseball card maker doesn't set the value of the card. It just makes cards for all the players. Whereas EA sets the value of its loot box cards because it decides whether a player is going to be able to make you better in the game that it's making or not. Right. You also have randomization and things that are happening behind the scenes that uh, people people who want to know what's going on underneath don't necessarily know. Like, what are these algorithms? What are the chances of winning? I get all that. But there is a whole other aspect to this, and I should probably start with this, which is loot boxes that are purely cosmetic. I don't think those people should be lumped into this conversation anymore. No, and, and the rulings of Belgium and Netherlands d- discount that. They're like, if it doesn't affect the play or if it can't be exchanged for money, then it doesn't matter. Right. So... If it is gambling, let's say that this goes to some high court in every land and everybody says it's gambling. Uh, and they're saying, well, we can't stop doing it because it's a huge part of our revenue. Historically, I don't know what to point to to say how that works. Like, what do you do? Is it like regular gambling that at some point somebody said, you know, that's really kind of a problem. We should regulate that. And also states off to the side if they want to allow it and blah, blah, blah. Like, are we going to have to come to that? Does that mean EA loses their shirt? Like, I'm really curious about how this pans out over time. I understand the problem with it, and I don't spend money on this sort of stuff. I just don't. Sometimes cosmetics, because I'm trying to support the game I like or something, but I'm not in this like market uh, for, for characters or stuff. And, and if it's a game where I can buy my way to better play, meaning dominate with better, because I've spent money and others haven't, I don't play those games. So what I hope is there's also a revolt that will continue to smolder in the gaming community itself where they stop putting up with that kind of weirdness. It, now, who should call that and you know moderate it? I don't know. It's an example, once again, involving technology, where old laws don't apply to new systems. Yeah. Loot boxes are neither baseball cards nor are they gambling in the traditional sense. You need a new way to deal with them. Like they, yeah. there is an issue here, right? Because he has, like, this is where we make all our money, right? And and so there needs to be a way to make sure that that's fair. Right. It's also only where they recently started making all their money. So some of this is on EA for not having other ideas. Well, I'll, but I mean, come on. If you find a way to make money, you stick with that, right? You, <laughs> you don't go like, oh, we found this amazing way to make money, but let's come up with another one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, you know, it sounds like the root of the problem is like out of EA's hands at this point, really. Yes, they're setting prices, but they're not able to, you know, determine what you and I share with each other afterwards. Well, and that's that's why I don't think gambling laws should apply here, because it's different. It's it's different than than a than a traditional poker game or something like that. Right. Uh, let's finish with pizza. Pizza for dessert on DTNS. Yeah. JetBlue announced that between... May 9th, the day that we're recording the show, and May 11th, it will deliver 350 pizzas from Patsy's Pizzeria in East Harlem to select areas in Los Angeles. If you're not good with geography, that means from New York City area all the way across North America to the other side to the Los Angeles area. You only get to choose between 16-inch plain cheese or $12 for $12 or a 16-inch pepperoni for $15. Those are your only choices, but that includes the flight, the delivery, the tip, and the taxes. Customers can track their pizza on the JetBlue website at www.jetblue.pizza. I looked. I live in a delivery area, but they were already out of pizzas. They have a limited number per day, and they start orders at midnight. So I mean, jealous. assuming that the pizzas are like in the little jet blue seats, like people would be coming all the way to LA, won't they be 
sort of cold. And no, the, why would you assume that they'd put them in seats? <laughs> because pizzas need seats the way everybody else does. No, I don't know. I, would assume I, I, I just feel like it's like, are, are they making them in L.A.? Because if not, no, I they're making them pizza. in Harlem. Then they're putting them in a warmer that keeps them warm until they get to L.A. Well, yeah. as they're- anybody who eats enough pizza knows, that's not the same as fresh pizza. If you've <laughs> ever eaten a slice in New York, you know sometimes those slices have been sitting out longer than that flight. Yeah, that's true, too. Sarah, you should check, because here's what I do. If it's still some available in your area, I will then pay you to send it in a warmer on to me. <laughs> Jealous. I love New York-style pizza. I'm ready I for I know. The- like, Salt Lake City just shut out of this whole thing. What in the I heck? Know. That's not fair. Um, Is the point... What is the point? JetBlue? Uh, to yeah. get people to talk about JetBlue. Okay. Well, uh, plan worked. Yep. Damn it. We felt it. <laughs> Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines on the Amazon Echo, Google Home, and Anchor app or at dailytechheadlines.com. We get mail and we stick it in a virtual bag and then we pull some out and read it on the show. We do. We got an email from Robert. This was in uh, in response to Google I.O.'s many, many announcements, but one of them about um, helping children uh, learn how to be polite by saying pretty please to the Google Assistant. Robert says, saying please to my digital assistant brings up an interesting thought. What if we get used to treating our digital assistants as if they have human emotions? Then say Amazon uses that to play on our emotions. For instance... Uh, uh, Amazon's uh, assistant, A, says, we have bathroom tissue for $4. You want to order this? If Robert says, no, thank you, then she says, oh, okay. I was just trying to be helpful. And then you're like, I'm sorry. I'll I'll take it. Okay, fine. I'll order the tissue. (laughs) You've made me very happy. I don't know. I mean, it could, I suppose. We definitely, you know, guilt you into a purchase. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely project emotions onto these assistants that aren't there. Uh, In fact, my wife had a long running feud with the Amazon Echo because she thought she sounded snotty. Yeah. And and sometimes, in fact, we turned off when they gave us the option to do it. We turned off the the, the word confirmation when you say, like, turn off the TV. She used to turn off the TV and then go, okay. And it really just felt like. I guess. Fine. If I have yeah, to turn like, it off. Sorry, we're putting you out. Yeah. Yeah. Job. I uh I don't know. I feel like I've had a moment or two where I actually felt real human guilt for telling my echo to shut up, for example. Like <laughs> it won't answer right or it'll say something wrong or I'll get the wrong definition and I'll go, shut up and the name. And then I'll feel kind of bad. Now, I don't think even in there's not even someone who will ever hear that other than this device and only temporarily will it hear it. And, she, and she'll always help me in the future. But even that makes me feel maybe a little worse because I don't know. I don't want to get all Westworld. Like you're getting away with something. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. should probably treat these things with respect. I'm not conspiratorial. I, I catch them. myself saying thank you back, sure. even though you don't need to. So I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's thank a brave you, new space, man. We got to think about these things. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thanks to all those who participate in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Thanks to everybody in advance for communicating with us. And also thanks to Scott Johnson for being on the show today, as always, Wednesdays. Scott, what's been going on in your world? Well, 
too many things to count. Um, we, we, between last time I spoke to you guys, we did our free comic book day thing and it's already over. So hooray for everyone who got free comic book day prints from me. Those will be uh, shipping in the mail soon and have a big signing party, but there are seven or so days left on the playing card Kickstarter. If you're, uh, into that sort of thing and you want to see what kind of rad custom stuff are happening over on that Kickstarter, you can head on over to frogpants.com. There's a link there that'll take you straight to the Kickstarter. And uh, there's not much time left. We don't know what kind of quantities we're going to have post-Kickstarter. So the way to guarantee you anything is through the Kickstarter itself. Huge thanks to everybody who has has supported it and uh, got a big update coming up soon with some new art and stuff. So go check that out. For everything else you may need to know, find me on Twitter, at Scott Johnson. Now, so many things to talk about. First of all, our goal every month is to have at least one more patron than last month. And last month, we joked around that I would let a tarantula climb around on my arm. Uh, some people think that's dumb. That's fine. It's just for kicks. Uh, other people are like, hey, where's the tarantula video? Uh, I might have it lined up for tomorrow. If not, maybe I'll try to do it in Australia, but I will try to do something fun with that for you. Uh, and if maybe, maybe we could do something less silly if we get to more than one patron next month, which right now we have 10 more patrons than last month. Let's see how far we can push that. Uh, also, we have other ways to support that besides patreon.com. You can also buy a hat or a shirt in our store. Uh, DTNS hats now available in the store alongside hoodies and shirts and mugs and stuff. And I'm headed to Australia for a couple of weeks. I won't be on the show for most of that, except for the special roundtable episode. But I will be doing a meetup in Sydney, Australia, May 15th at 6 p.m. at Hearts Pub, corner of Essex and Gloucester Streets in the Rocks. Big thanks to D. Colville for her help scouting that out. And I'll be doing a meetup in Melbourne Tuesday, May 22nd at 6 p.m. at Bartronica in Flinders Lane. Uh, and thanks to Peter Wells and Raj Diut for setting that up. Uh, and they will be there as well. So please, if you're in the area, come join me. If you're in the area, let us know that you're going to join Tom so he can expect you. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We will be back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, 
you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.